Well, hello and good Friday. Not good Friday in the religious sense. I know that's in the spring. It's a good Friday because it's the Dennis and Andy show. Yeah, we're coming to you a little bit earlier today. So much to do. So much to talk about. That's right. That's right. And because uh, hopefully I'll be going to dinner around five o'clock. So coming at you at four o'clock wouldn't have worked. So that's why we're uh, a little bit earlier today. Uh, Dennis, I don't know if you know this or not. Um, I made my wrestling debut uh, uh, a couple days ago. Did you now? Because I don't see any black and blue marks. So what happened? Oh, well, you know, in wrestling, I tell them in my contract, no face shots. Oh, so which means and... they're not allowed to take pictures of it. Right. Your face. <laughs> I meant punching. But oh, but... oh, that's what you meant. That's that's what I meant. But here's my wrestling debut. The following contest is a fatal four-way match. Making his way to the ring from Charlotte, North Carolina. Guys, there is so much intrigue here. Wow, you're really shiny. Look at me. Oh, 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 look at that. Well, now the viewers know what you do to me when we uh, when we record our live streams together. Uh, oh, oh, headshot. Oh, that hurt. I got the pen. Yes. Wow. I got the pen. Woo, champion. Mm. Wow. Mm. Andy Smith mm. is 1-0. Mm. 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 Yeah, dude. So there you have that. Uh, uh, very exciting stuff. Also, before we get going, first man two learning curve. Five, count them, five days left. Boom, 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 boom. Five days left to back. First man two learning curve. Picked up a couple new backers today. Uh, hopefully Tuesday night, I'll be doing a closeout stream on Ethan's channel. I asked him if we could do it. He said, let's do it. So. Uh, Hopefully nothing pops up and we can do that. He's a busy guy, so uh, hopefully you will. Um, I'll show this video. It's the one where I say, look at these four people. I added it because so many people love this one. So uh, let's watch it. 
Luke Henry, after kicking Monarch's ass to the depths of space, is back on Earth. And now he's looking to save the world from the fourth world of foundation. Sure, he had help from Penumbra before, but she's not helping him this time. He's got to face it on his own. Look at these four people. He's coming for a villain known as Adonis. He'll do it. You'll be there. Back it now. First man is here too. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So how many days you got left? Five days. Five days. Nice. Five days, baby. Five days. Well, that, so, means, that uh, means I have to show up with a big whip and start cracking it and make sure you get all those great pages finished. Well, they don't have the, the book doesn't ship until you know well, next year. Well, Wow, do I oh, hear you mean? I don't want oh, to hear you mean, oh, I thought you meant like within the next five days getting all this stuff finished. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, you mean for next year? Oh, yeah, no, dude, you have full permission to do that. To uh, in fact, I should make you my de facto editor, deadline keeper, to make sure that I get my allotted amount of work done uh, every week. So, because hey, I Dennis, do, let's go here, Andy. Did you get your six pages done? No. Get back to work. Get back to it, punk ass. So, yeah. So, uh, guys, we went and saw the movie The Protégé. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just so you guys know what we're talking about here, I'll pull up a little uh, image of it. So, you know, uh, it stars uh, Dennis has a crush on the star of this movie. Uh Maggie Q, everybody. Come on. If you're not a Nikita fan, I mean, Maggie Q was my girl from Nikita. Loved her in it. I love the show. And, you know, anytime she's in this type of a role, I was all down for this movie. Here, we'll show a little bit of the trailer. people are good. Let me get to some good stuff here. Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Keaton. Uh, Robert Patrick. I mean, wow, this, this had good makings. You sent away so many prematurely. Actually, hold on. my hand. Through you. I'm going to do this. Just to cover our butts, I'm going to speed it up a little bit. And then I don't think we'll have any issues. So let's see, Dennis. Yeah, they have been kind of picky as of late. Some people are bad. Oh, I do love fast bullets. Yeah. So get in and get out. You can always think on your feet anyway. Not so much tonight. Oh, hear that guitar? Which plays a part in the movie? It does. Through you. We never sent anyone away who didn't have it coming. We all have to pay for our sins eventually. Oh, you know what? I did say it was like a female John Wick, and now it makes sense. <laughs> From the studio that brought you John Wick. Yes. Someone killed a friend of mine because of a contract he completed years ago. Oh, yeah? In Casino Royale is, it was, a, it was a really good movie. The last thing you ever take. Why don't you just consider it a mystery best left unsolved? You know that I'm older. Keep this up. You're gonna die. I just want to end their life. And anyone standing in my way. 
The action looks good, sped up. You're intrigued by her. Curious. What is bad manners? No. I really like to see you again under different circumstances. These are the best circumstances you'll ever see me in. Oh yeah, so now we'll chat about it. Yeah, I was I was very excited to go uh to go to go see this. Now understand, I, I did tell Andy I always have reservations because the movie's premise is a movie that I swear to God comes out at least once a year. It's the yep. it was the same type of movie, and I was going, uh but Man, with that, with with Maggie and Michael and Samuel and Robert, I'm like, that cast is just too good for me to say, no, I'll pass on it. You know, especially after seeing some good ones, you know, with we just saw Free Guy and Shang-Chi. We've seen some good movies. I had a feeling I really wanted to see this, but I was going to be let down. That was my ultimate goal. So I kind of had to lower my expectations. Yeah, I mean, I I gotta admit, I was not. <laughs> you're gonna hate it. I was not excited to see this movie in the least. The only reason I had any interest, and I do like Maggie Q. My first, uh, wait, did I? That's her name, right? Yeah, yeah, I do like her, and I first saw her in my first discovery of her big role was in. Um, Oh, the Kiefer Sutherland TV show where he became the president because everybody got taken out in the Senate. Oh, um, Lone Survivor. No. Yes. Nope. That's not it. No. No. Um, uh, it is something Survivor. Designated Survivor. Designated Survivor. That was my first introduction to her. She played, uh, uh, I don't know if she was Secret Service or if she was FBI, but no. she was an agent. And and I liked her in it. Uh, okay. But I saw this and I was more attracted to it because I really love anything Michael Keaton does. The dude is just on fire, you know, Um, and a tangent. I would love to see Michael Keaton do a comedy again. Just saying. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom, too. I was just thinking that. Gung Ho. Gung Ho. What would it be now? Remember the one Jack Frost? Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking that. Yes. Yeah. I would love to see him do a comedy again, but anyhow, um, that's what intrigued me. Samuel Jackson, he seems to be like the heavy type guy in every movie now. So I'm getting a little tired of seeing him. Uh, Great actor, but he's just playing the same roles. Um, And Maggie Q, I just have a problem with this much in an action movie with this much gun-toting and hand. If if she was just gun-toting, I wouldn't have an issue, but with the hand-to-hand stuff, yes, I know women can be taught martial arts, and there's women out there her size that could easily kick my ass, and and even somebody that you know, like Dennis's size, who's a lot taller than me and bigger, could throw him around as well. But I just still have a problem with it, especially when she's taking out more than one guy at a time, because then I'm just like. I don't know. I'd like to think that if it was Dennis, myself, and another guy, say, in between our size, and it was Maggie Q's character, and it was hand-to-hand, I think the three of us could probably take her down. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, if you're if you're talking from a wrestling standpoint or sheer strength and stuff. Now, if she's gonna punch me in the she, throat and rip my rip rip my esophagus out, okay, I can see that if she can oh, do yeah. that. But but you know, for I I agree. Now I will tell you, uh, since that was your first exposure to her, um, there was a TV show she was in called Nikita. And it's all about operatives and the basically assassins. Dude, it is so worth a watch. It is one of my favorite shows of all time of that genre, especially if you like the Americans. I think you right. need to go back and watch it. I think you would get a new appreciation for Maggie Q. Um, she, I like I said, I, I was a little leery about this uh, a movie, although I was excited. Um, be, just because the premise of the movie, it's always one's an assassin, trains another assassin. One of them winds up getting wiped out. She, he or she gets angry. They go after the other person to seek revenge. It is literally a Hollywood trope for this genre. And I was like, uh, I don't know. That's the only thing that kind of kept me on it. But I am very glad to say I am super glad we went because – Yes, it was exactly what I just said. There wasn't any massive twists that were going there. There was nothing you went, wow, I never saw that coming. It was moderately straightforward with a couple of minor things. But the interaction, and this is what I was hoping for. You know, Robert, they're, they're overseas. And Robert Patrick, it's great. He is the head of a motorcycle gang. Oh yeah, that was a good. Foreign country with, and it was just awesome to see that kind of threw me for a loop that that was his character named Billy Boy, and you know there's a history between them. Robert Patrick is another one that I've always enjoyed in everything that he's done. He's looking a little rough, but I thought he absolutely looked and played the perfect biker part in this movie. He did. He did. Um... It is funny, just, you know, I remember when I first saw him in, uh, I remember when I first saw him in Terminator, it was Terminator 2, right? Yep, T2. T2, thinking he looked kind of old. <laughs> yeah. You know, now granted, he's older than us anyhow, by probably, probably only about what, 12 years? I don't think he's 65 yet. Uh, let me, I have to think, um, because... Samuel L. Jackson. No, I don't think he's 65. If I remember right, Samuel L. Jackson just turned 70, and he looks younger than Robert Patrick, who I think is 10 years is younger. So I think Robert Patrick's right, so, around 60. So let's say he's 60. Well, T2 came out in, I think, 91. Okay? So if it came out in 91, that would mean Robert Patrick was only 30, 31 when it came out. Here, I'm looking it up. Robert Patrick was born in 58. All right. So he's he's he's, ten, 60, years. he's 10 years, basically. 11 yep. years, technically. So 30 years ago, he was uh, 30, uh, 33, right? Yeah. He looked older than 33. And that's not because I was 23. And at 23, everybody looked older. He just did, right? Yeah. But now you look at him and you're like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. It's weird when I see frames of Terminator two with him, because I'm like, wow, he did look a lot younger compared to what he looks like now, but yeah, he's still, a, yeah. he's still a hard ass. 
you know. Oh, I thought he was, and he played a great role. Oh, like yeah. I said, Samuel L. Jackson's ten years older than him because I just looked it up. He was born in '48, and yeah. uh, uh, so he was literally ten years. And I mean, Samuel L. Jackson just doesn't look like he hardly aged. And yeah, I know they color everything in and it's some of the Hollywood stuff, but yeah, he still looked great. The, the the thing that I wound up enjoying about this movie was, and it was my hope with it, the chemistry between Maggie Q and Samuel L. Jackson to start with. Because it's kind of right. like, you know, a Jedi with his Padawan. You know, he's teaching her, he saves her, he's doing all this stuff. And then later on, it's the interaction between her and then Michael Keaton. He plays a guy named Rembrandt, and he's... Let's say he's on the evil side, the bad side. You don't want to call him bad, but he is on the bad side. Well, he's and a guy that gets paid to, to do a job. He's a he's he's a merc for hire, basically, but he's he's like a high end. So he wears nice suits and you know, you know, he's 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 a he's a high-paid bodyguard merc for hire, right? Yes. And um he's just doing a job, you know. If if they would have met under different circumstances, you know, it, it would have been totally different, but he's literally just, he's like, I'm just doing my job. That's all right. I'm doing. But he finds, he finds her intriguing. She's right. so much more than, than, than what she lets on. And he stops in, she owns a bookstore. So she goes in there. It's like an old collectible bookstore and she's yeah. trying to sell them on a $250,000 first print of a book. Right. It was really cool because he goes, you know, you intrigue me. And he hands her a business card. How long, how many minutes before you actually call me? And it was great. She's like 27. <laughs> it, they had such chemistry throughout their interactions. And that's what separated it from a lot of these other movies. They, I right. thought Maggie had great chemistry with Samuel and then with Michael Keaton throughout the whole thing. Then when Robert Patrick got involved, I loved his character. You know, all the characterizations fell into place. So they right. made the most of a tired script is with the way I would say it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, well, you know, it starts off Samuel Jackson. It start, I love how it starts off in 1991. Samuel Jackson, he had some hair back then, so they gave him a little wig. They might have done some CGI effects to his face to young him up, but they didn't have to do much, like Dennis said. I mean, he does not look his age. And um, he's in Vietnam, and he goes into this, you know, crappy part of town, basically. And it looks like he's going into this place, this, this room, whatever it is, location for a specific reason, get some money sees these bad guys were taken out, hears a noise, goes to investigate the noise, and he opens up this cabinet, and inside the cabinet is a little 10-year-old that obviously is going to be Maggie Q's character, you know, 30 years from then. And, you know, the kid's scared, and she holds up a gun to him, and, you know, he ends up taking her, and, you know, that's why it's the protege, because he raised her, he taught her all this stuff, you know. I mean, it's you it's kind of like the professional, if you guys right. have, uh, but, have seen but that. You, kinda, you, you would kind of like to think that it's like, well, I get that this is what you do for a living, uh, Mr. Uh, Jackson. What was his What was his name in the movie again? Uh, Samuels was Moody. Moody. 
It's like, Moody, I understand this is what you do for a living, but just because you took this 10-year-old under your wing, I don't know. Maybe you could have adopted her out to some, you know, you got her out of Vietnam, so that's nice. You brought her to America. I don't know. Maybe you could have given her to a nice couple, adopted her out so she doesn't grow up to be a mercenary assassin. Just saying. But I you don't didn't. know. They, they developed a bond. <laughs> I, I had no problem I with that. I know. Obviously, if it went that way, there'd be no movie. Uh, I get it. Um, so then, you know, the whole the whole thing behind the movie is uh, they're looking into this specific person. And because of that, it sets off this chain of events where people close to uh, uh, Maggie. What was Maggie's character's name again? Maggie was Anna. Anna, you know, people close to Anna die. So she has to go off and seek revenge. And so it's, a you know, the basic gist is it's a revenge movie. There's a nice one little nice twist in it. I thought was pretty cool. Eh, I kind of saw it coming. I don't yeah, think it was exactly. A big surprise. Yeah, it wasn't a big surprise to either of us. You know, I think it was you. You got the page up for it. Does it say at the running time? I want to say it was like an hour 40. Yeah, look at it. It was a nice. Uh, I thought it was a tight movie. It, it, was, yeah. it was. It was. It a was nice, an hour forty nine minutes. Yeah, so it was an hour forty nine. It's a popcorn flick, action flick. Don't go into it. Once again, it's one of those summer action movies, low budget. What I mean by low budget, I'm sure they all got paid nicely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did take, you know, Samuel Jackson and Michael Keaton. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually took pay cuts just to go, you know, we'll roll the dice with the back end. Um, but you know what? It sets up nicely. There is no after credit, so you don't have to stay. It does set up for a sequel. The, it, it's um, an action film, and the action was great. What, what, like, what there was, like the, we the, said, I thought the action was great. The action was fantastic. Yep. It's from it's in the John Wick vein. It's literally from the producers of John Wick. So they're sitting there going, you know what? We didn't go into John Wick thinking we'd have four of these bad boys, but the the first one did so well. We did a sequel. Did great. Lined up two more. Yeah. Well, what if we try it with a female? Maggie Q has great charisma on screen. So does her relationship with Samuel Jackson. So you know what? They're rolling the dice. If it's a one and done, no harm, no foul. It's worth it to watch. Yeah, I'm actually hoping for a sequel. Yeah, I I kind of am too. I like I said, I had lowered expect lowered expectations, and I'm glad I did because they surprised me. Michael Keaton, like I said, just wound up playing. He's he is getting older as well, and. But he played it well. The action sequence, they busted through the table, the shot. Everything was just solid. I mean, it was just right. solid. It was a fun movie that I am glad we went and saw. It isn't a movie you're going to see me run out, and I'm not going to own it in my collection. But probably in a year or so. If Wait a second. Hold on. It, Hold on. Watch it. Maggie Q's in it. And then he says, I'm not going to own it in my collection. So I believe, oh, I got to sneeze. Bullshit. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Bullshit. Hey, I love Nikita, and I don't own that series. And if I was going to own anything of Maggie Q, it would be that. How old is Nikita? Um, like twenty. That was a CW 13? show. What was that a CW 2013. show? Twenty thirteen. It was off. It was on one of the off channels. Yeah, I don't remember which channel. That was, was based Nikita. off of the movie, right? Lafem Nikita. 
Yeah, it wound up being it wound up being in that vein. Yeah, she was great as uh, as Nikita. Now, now you're making me wonder. I was going to say it was like 2013. Give she had to have had there. shorter hair in that because I I vaguely remember no. that. She had shorter hair. No, and she always wore wigs. Oh, I was oh, close. Yeah. I was close. I found it. It was 2010 to 2013, so it finished in 2013. Oh, hyper kaiju. We were hey, just reviewing. Kaiju. Just reviewing the protege. So uh, please uh, rewatch the stream so you can hear about that movie if you're interested in seeing it. Uh, we're about to do our CGC grade. So if you just want to cut to the chase and not hear any, uh, we didn't really spoil it, but if you want to just hear our grading, perfect timing. It um, is. What is your uh, CGC grade, Dennis? I'm giving this a 7.5. I, I liked it. it. I'm glad we went and saw it. Um, I probably wouldn't go back and see it again. I probably won't own it in my collection, but I was super happy that uh, I went and saw it. It was worth our hour and 49 minutes. Yeah, I'm going 7-0. So we're basically on the same uh, same vibe with it. Uh, it. Like you said, it's a tight hour 40. They edited out all the BS. It's one of those movies I wouldn't mind seeing what they left on the cutting room floor. Just to, because I'd probably agree, like, yeah, that didn't need to be there. Um, it was just a fun action flick. So, uh, and there was no wokeness to it. So, uh, that I can no, think of. No, there was no hidden agenda. There was no nothing. Yeah. It was just good assassins versus assassins. It was, like you said, it was exactly what we had hoped. But it, I said the bar was lowered. But they, they hit the bar and actually came above it just because... Samuel L. Jackson and Maggie Q's chemistry was great. And then Maggie Q and Michael Keaton's was great. And Robert Patrick played a hell of an interesting, surprising character. Yeah, that was a nice twist because he wasn't in any of the previews or anything. So. Yeah, I didn't see him in any of the stuff that we had seen, so I didn't know he was in it. And and I try not to go delving into it before we go see it. And I'm glad I didn't because it was a surprise. Good one. All right, now we're going to talk about the latest in the world of Let's get people canceled for nothing. Uh, Joe Bennett. So I talked about this on my stream, but Dennis and I want to chat about it as well. So we can have a little back and forth. Um, so here's the deal. Let me, I'm just going to get down to the, the image that started all this garbage off. So back in 2017, if you don't know, Joe Bennett is a Brazilian artist. Uh, no, he's not shaped Brazilian style. He is, uh, he's from Brazil. So he is, uh, he did this political cartoon back in 2017 of the then, I guess, candidate for president, Balasaro. I'm going to screw the name up. Maybe Dennis can pronounce it better. Just say the, just say the president. The, pre the, the now president, because I'm yes. pretty sure he's still the president of Brazil. He was candidate then. So Joe from Brazil was like, you know what? I'm going to draw a cartoon in support of this guy. So he draws the guy. And I mean, because of the time that this came out, and I think Joe probably uh, mentioned that that's who it was supposed to be. It's him riding the horse, you know, the president riding the horse. And then he did caricatures of some of the opposing party members, you know, basically getting eviscerated and, running away he, he it, in the way he did the caricatures 
He gave them bigger noses to kind of make them look like rats as well. Uh, he made one of them look like a vampire, which I thought was kind of funny. So in other words, a bloodsucker. I mean, to me, I never saw this until just this week. I mean, why would I? Right. Um, it's not something that would have come out, but, you know, Al, Al, Al Ewing decided I'm going to post this and, and make a big deal about it. Right. So Al Ewing, who I did not know until this week, is from Britain. He's a British writer. So uh, if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have been like Al Ewing. Uh, I assume he lives in the States somewhere, but he's not. He's a British writer. Uh, so why this even affects him, I have no idea. It's like, you know, if somebody drew a political cartoon over in Britain, I'd be like, oh, whatever. It doesn't really affect me. And honestly, I see political cartoons because I'm friends with a few political cartoonists. I see him on Facebook and I see him poking fun at both sides. Some, you know, some sides I agree with and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then when I see them poking fun at, say, my side, I can get the humor in the cartoon, even though if I, I don't agree with it, but I'm not like you bastard unfriend because it's a political cartoon. Well, Al Ewing, let's get up to his little tweet storm because that's what you do these days, guys. Uh, instead of just seeing something and disagreeing with it and moving on, no, no, you uh, you go to Twitter and uh, you go on a tweet storm. So Al first writes, and this was on September 2nd, there's an image go doing the rounds that Joe Bennett drew back in 2017. I won't link to it, but I've seen it and it's reprehensible. So, I mean, I read that and the first thing I'm thinking is, Al, you know nothing about persuasion, because if you did, you would understand that just by writing that, you're going to have people Google search the image. Because I'm thinking, oh, it's reprehensible, Dennis. He must have, oh, my, what could it be? So, you know, my first thought when I when I had read that was I'm like, oh, it's going to be like the image of Kathy Griffith with, with Donald Heads Trump eviscerated, you know, holding yeah. the, the head up and stuff like that, which, of course because it's one-sided, that's perfectly fine. So well, she did get that shit, was my expectation. She did get shit-canned. At least, at least they held up with her. She got shit-canned from the New Year's Eve co-hosting duties. She did get bounced from stuff because of that, which is good. You know, because honestly, if you're going to tell me something's reprehensible, I believe not even a drawing, but literally taking a picture of yourself holding up the president's head, decapitated and stuff, that's pretty bad. I would never do that, you know? And I wouldn't right. even draw a picture like that. Right. And Hyper Kaiju's point, weird how Twitter people pretend to care about other countries' politics. That was when I found out, I'm like, oh, they were getting into it. And then I found when out, oh, this was Brazilian. I was like, oh, what the? Who cares? Yes. You guys can't hear And all of these... Yet. Oh, yeah. Hold on. All right. It's gone. Stupid ads on this web page. So then he goes, if you've seen the image, you know what it is. An armored swordsman, which I assume represents Bolsonaro. Well, and once again, he's assuming it does. Now, I don't like people to assume, but I'm going to assume it does as well because of the context of the image. Given Joe's commentary, slaughtering tiny, scurrying people with buck teeth and ears of rats and big noses. One of them is cosplaying Dracula. 
Dude, have you never seen a political cartoon? Political cartoons? Apparently it's not allowed in Britain anymore. Unlike when World War II, you know, when there was an endless slew of them, um, political cartoons going against the Nazis and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's just, yeah, we, we're not doing that anymore. But the, but the thing is, that's the whole point of a political cartoon. If you look at them in this country, they're cartoons. Everything is exaggerated. Even when a political cartoonist that's on the right does one pro-Trump, they exaggerate the crap out of what Trump looks like because that's Correct. what you do in a political cartoon. Um, even pro-Obama political cartoonists would exaggerate his big-ass ears and things like that because that's what you do. And apparently um, even comic book artists make Donald Trump into Modak. Hence, watch one of our previous uh, uh, live streams where we talk about that and show it. But that's even in mainstream um, comic books. I know, and, and I missed the tweet storm that Al had about that comic. Maybe he did, and I just missed it. I can't tell you, Dennis, because for some reason, Al blocked me on Twitter, and I've never even met the guy, and he blocked, blocked me. You? <laughs> Dude, when I first talked about this on my stream a few days ago, I checked Twitter before I even talked about it, and I was blocked. So, wow. Yeah. So well, then he Al, goes, if you're listening to us, which you're probably not, you might as well block me because I am telling you, I read through this stuff. No, I dude, just, you should go. You should actually go to Twitter, Dennis. Look up Al and then find these tweets and then actually reply to him and say, hey, man, get a thicker skin and then see if you get blocked. You mean, That's don't be you a pansy. I mean, yeah. you're not even dealing with, with somebody from your own country dealing with politics, which even if it was your that own makes country, it even, and, it's a political cartoon. You and that even makes them it worse, though. Won't. It's not even, it's not, like, you nailed it. It's not your country, dude. Get over it. Uh, and, I'm assuming, and, he goes, I'm assuming these are political enemies of some kind. Yeah, they are. Because in another article, somebody actually points out who these people are. Uh, you should go check, Dennis, while we're doing this. Um, yeah, so somebody pointed out in another article who these people are. He goes, this isn't the first issue that with Joe I've had made aware of. I've spoken behind the scenes, but that's no comfort to people at the sharp end of this kind of brutal propaganda. Well, was it any comfort when people beat up people that... Uh, uh, you uh, don't agree with because I'm I'm going out on a limb, Al, and saying that if this was a cartoon that you agreed with, this wouldn't even be an issue right now. I mean, it's such virtue signaling, and here it gets even worse because he goes, in the interest of adding some material action to that apology, I've made donations to the Rainbow Railroad and the Rainforest Trust. I understand if that feels like an empty or insufficient gesture for those reading this. It actually doesn't feel like that to me at all. It just feels like you have to show how much of a good person you are. Oops, hold on. Uh, it actually just is virtue signaling to the highest regard. Because I can tell you right now, I donate the charity. I don't tweet about it. You know, Now, if somebody puts up a GoFundMe... And I've donated to a few of my friends and other people I don't know GoFundMes. I will share it out, but I'm not sharing it for a pat on the back. I'm sharing it so more people can see it and help out for a good cause. 
Yeah. Well, my, my problem with this whole thing. Okay. So my problem initially, even just reading through the initial uh, foray is, is it's just, it's just ridiculous that you oh. even care what somebody else's political thoughts are. The problem is if it differs from yours and you're either in Hollywood or in the comic industry, mainstream, you all have to think if you, there's no think tanks, there's no difference of opinions. There's no having together for conversations. You either think like me or you're an enemy and I can't talk to you and I have to block you. That tells me you're a small person with small ideas and the only people. And then I found out I refused to work with him. Holy crap. What an absolute insignificant speck of a human being you are. I have no problem saying that, and I hope he does block me, or I see him at a convention because I have no problem saying it. Well, it is pathetic here, that here's, this is here's, what you do. And then we find out Marvel removes him wait, from, here's the, from here's the, the book. Here's oh. the flip side to it. You know, because he goes, with all this said, I'm probably going to remain off Twitter. Of course you are, because you don't want the blowback. So you're going to remain off Twitter because you feel you can post all this stuff, but now you don't want the blowback because you're a pansy. So you're going to remain off Twitter. And hopefully when you get back on, whatever that is, you're hoping you won't see any of this stuff. It'll have blown over. Uh, but what's he say up here about, let's see. He's made his bed. Yeah, he made his bed. No, he did a political cartoon. Well, guess what, Al? If I'm ever in a position to hire a writer, it will not be you because of this type of behavior, because this is unacceptable behavior, because you know full well by tweeting this out there in today's climate that this was probably going to happen to Joe, where Marvel goes, oh, well, we got to side with Al because Al sides with our politics and we're on the same side. So even though Joe has worked for Marvel Comics for for going on 30 years and been a month in month out guy. I mean, out of 50 issues of immortal Hulk, I don't even think there's been seven or eight total fill in issues. I know there's been a few, but I don't even think there's been seven or eight. And even if there were 10 for a guy drawing 40 out of 50 issues of a book is pretty damn good. These days, he's been a solid artist. His work is phenomenal. And you know what? Getting him canceled like this is just a bunch of crap. You could have seen that cartoon. You could have reached out to Joe personally and said, Joe, I disagree with you on this. Uh, I think it's best if after this is after our run on Immortal Hulk, we just go our separate ways and, and that be it. And just kept it between the two of you like right. adults. But instead, you had to go whine on Twitter which you knew it would get blown up into in this climate we're in now. And now Joe has been canceled for Marvel because of your babiness. Yep. And, and you know, the entire article, this is what I hear from Al. Exactly. Seriously. Freaking baby bullshit. That and then ridiculous. you go and get off of Twitter because you don't want blowback. Not because you just don't want blowback. Because I think deep in your heart, you know, more people will disagree with you than agree with you. And the fact is, what you know what? All that's made me want to do right now is say, you know what? 
Marvel, you pulled the trigger after you listened to him whine about it, say, I won't work with them. You wound up canceling Joe. So you know what? Any book now, and that's what I'll be doing. I'll be going through and I'll be canceling. Even if it's an X book, I'll be canceling it because I do not need Mr. Al Ewing screwing us kind of crap up. This is ridiculous. Eric DeGuapo says, since Joe's canceled, should we expect another cg to join the ranks? I mean, look, if Joe wants to do his own thing and do that, come on over. He's more than welcome to. I think he'd be a phenomenal success. You know what, so Eric? Is- I was kind of thinking the same thing. You know, you, you since you typed that in, I was actually going to make the comment. I'm like, if all if Marvel and DC are going to constantly cancel somebody because somebody else's gets butthurt feelings, you know what? I hope they then turn around and go make very successful books on their own because I'd be more willing to buy that than any for any company that's doing that. He says, yeah, right. Read any X book. <laughs> I don't think Al writes those. He's just talking about the quality. Well, he, um, no, he did. Actually, oh. he was in through the Gallus stuff. Al was in some of them. Oh. I don't know if he is right now. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and double check. All right. But- now let's, now on Bleeding Fool, this is written by Avi Green. And Avi, Br- he says the character drawing can be found easily. It is really cool. We've already shown it. He says, if one must know. I don't think it's in very good taste, even if the target targets aren't Jews. But that's why I'm wondering if Ewing is really sincere in his disagreements with Bennett. Um, and I agree. Like, here's the thing. Joe's been called anti-Semitic for another problem he had in issue 43 of uh, The Immortal Hulk. And in issue 43 of that book, and I don't know Joe, so let me just state this up front. I've never talked to Joe. We're friends on Facebook. I've complimented his work when he posts a picture that I think is really cool, and he's written back thanks. That's about as far as it goes. I am a fan of his work. I don't know if he's anti-Semitic. I have no idea. I would hope not. That's not cool. Um, in issue 43, I'm pretty sure it's 43 of Immortal Hulk, there was a scene inside a jewelry store. Okay, Dennis, I don't know if you heard about this, so th- I'll describe it. Okay. There's a scene in, there's a scene inside of a jewelry store and it's it's at the counter and it's a side view of the counter, so on one side, I'll do it this way so it's actually right. On this side you've got the uh the clerk, which I think is a female, then there's the counter and on this side the customer and you can see in the background the window of the store. And the lettering on the window is written backwards because obviously you're inside the store. So if you're on the street looking in, you could read the the sign. And the window of the store, the word jewelry is misspelled. So it says he left out the L. So it says jewelry, right? Okay. And then below it, I believe, is the Star of David. And then above it, I want to say he named the store Cronenberg's that movie director, David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah, yep. Because he's a fan of David Cronenberg. And I remember all this from an article I read. So it wasn't lettered by the letterer. It was actually hand-lettered by Joe. And then the anchor inked it, and it went through and got published. And then people, you know, were outraged by it because it said jewelry store instead of jewelry store. And with the star of David, and they took it as... um, Joe Bennett stereotyping 
uh, Jewish people for being in the diamond district, owning jewelry stores, whatever. You know, they caught anti-Semitic over it, blah, blah, blah. Joe came back and said, uh, it was, he apologized. He said, because he was writing it backwards, he just, you know, left out a letter. Um, if you actually see the panel, some of the letters are actually cropped out from the people in the foreground with the overlapping. So, you know, you can't read the whole thing anyhow, but you can definitely see the J E W yeah. part of an E and then the rest is cropped out. And some of the Cronenberg is cropped out. Anyhow, he apologized. He said it was a mistake, you know, uh, when he was drawing the book. And when Marvel actually put the book out digitally, they scrubbed it. So it was just a window in the background. Oh, they took out the uh, they took they, out the they, writing they and the graphics. Out, which is okay. Which is fair. You know, okay. that's fair. You know, because honestly, uh, you know. So you're it, saying it made the initial print and oh, the yeah. print publishing, it just didn't make it digital. Oh, yeah. It totally made the print. Okay. It just in the digital version, it was taken out. And like I said, Joe came out on social media. He apologized. I've been under the stress of a monthly book. I don't usually do hand lettering for even signs. Part of it's because I've always been under the, the impression that's what the letterer's job is. So if there was a window sign, I would make a note to the letterer to say, hey, this window should read blah, blah, blah. You handle it. But I will say this. Where was the editor? Because an editor looks at everything, and that's Thank an editor's you. job to catch. That was actually going to be my question to you, is how did that slip through? And then when it did get, you know, and it made it through, obviously, as long as they asked him, he gave an explanation, believe it or not. It was reasonable explanation via how you described it. So, okay, move on. Just don't let it happen again. Exactly. And... uh Take it easy, Hyper Kaiju. Thanks for joining, buddy. Later, bud. Um, See you next week. And we, so the editor didn't catch it. So does that mean the editor's anti-Semitic because he read it and knew it was there and let it go to print? No, it doesn't. And I take I take apologies at face value. Joe apologized. I'm good with that. Now, I don't know what other things Joe has done that lead people to might think he's anti-Semitic. I honestly have no idea. Um, in the political cartoon, maybe I'm off base on this, but let's let's just say there were two people running for office. One of the persons is Catholic, the other person is Jewish, right? And let's say a political cartoonist that is in favor of the Catholic guy draws something you know, draw something just like that where, you know, he's he's holding up a sword and then the Jewish guy that he's running against is running away from him. It's a political cartoon. Does that mean that the political cartoonist is anti-Semitic or does it mean that he's drawing a political cartoon where the one guy that he's in favor of is trying to scare the other person off? You know what I mean? Well, my, my issue with, take, a, but my, here's my issue. A political cartoon is a political cartoon. You're putting it out there to make a point, just like with the current climate and situations that are going on today. If you make a political cartoon, you're making a statement. Now, with that being said, it's got nothing to do with your other work. And as long as it's not overly some kind of heinous, Satanistic, I don't even know where the line would be crossed. It's a political cartoon. 
Right. But we're not even dealing with a political cartoon that he drew today or yesterday or last week. We're dealing with something from 2017 that all of a sudden now he's going to pull up. And this is where I have my problem with Al. You're bringing it up four years later. Now it's an issue. You've been working with him for, for all these years on the Hulk and all these issues. And now you've got an issue with one political cartoon that he did. And you know what? There may be, he might be proud of the political cartoon. He might not. Everybody probably has made a political cartoon at some point in their time or enjoyed one. Don't even know if they wrote it. Yeah. But to bring this out as like a gun, it's like an old six shooter in the Western to bring that out now at this point and start firing a bullet off is absolutely ridiculous in my mind. And he started a storm on purpose. And that's the issue that I have with this whole thing. Another thing. So this guy continues to write, I find it odd Ewing doesn't mention the caricatures of left-wing figures. They may be distasteful, but I've got a feeling none of the criticism currently being leveled at Bennett stems from altruistic reasons. Consider the following observation. So somebody tweeted back, Joshua Lazarus said, if Al Ewing or Marvel truly cared about fighting anti-Semitism, Joe Bennett would have been off Hulk after the last incident, which is the one I told you about, about the writing on the store window. It's notable that Ewing's apology for not acting against anti-Semitism doesn't use the word Jewish, and none of Ewing's donations were to Jewish charities. I mean, you would think if that's the big argument Al has, well, you would donate to a Jewish charity, but he didn't. That's an actually a fair point. I actually didn't even think of that aspect of it. Uh, it says, now that now that's an excellent point. Ewing may donate to LGBTQ charities, but where's his wallet when it comes to Israeli Jewish charities? Why did it take until the very end of a mortal hawk run to say he's mad at Bennett for what he thinks is a distasteful caricature? And why doesn't Ewing clearly state if he thinks such attacks on left-wing figures are ill-advised and revolting? Something's just not logical here. Though I can only wonder how Ewing would react if Bennett were an Israeli artist lending his support to Benjamin Netanyahu, who was unfairly ousted by an opportunist who's already proving otherwise very dishonest while working with his ultra leftists in Israel. And if Joe Bennett attacked Donald Trump, chances are this would never have been an issue with Ewing, period, which is true. Well, that uh, was, believe it or not, that was going to be my point is let, let's just take that entire cartoon. And if he did one right now where they were, he was holding up or eviscerating Donald Trump or somebody like that, uh, Al wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been upset with that uh, a- at all. Matter of fact, they would have probably had Mark Brooks and a bunch of other guys cheering him on going, wow, that's fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is just, it's just crap. It's, it's inbred politics that that are that have infiltrated the well, the and, and like you brought up earlier, if Al's going to be this outraged by this, it should go both ways, which should be, and maybe he did, we don't know, but I'm willing to bet Al didn't email Marvel after Modak came out and say, guys, that's really distasteful. I know I'm Britain, I'm from Britain, and it, it, it's not really any of my thing what you guys do over there, but it seems really distasteful to show the president of your country as an evil villain in one of your comics. I'm willing to bet Al didn't send that email to anybody. So 
no. yeah. I, it's just hypocrisy. I've just, I, I, I'm so tired of the hypocrisy. Hence why we're finding more and more good books, either in the comics gate crowd or the independent publishers, the small presses. You know what? This is where it's going because people are getting sick of this crap. Now, if Al would have had of using a, an opposing viewpoint and just stated it and left it at that, that's fine. But to come out and state that and to basically get him removed off off of a book, I mean, yeah, and then not, in this day and age, you can't play the "well, I didn't know that was going to happen" card. Bullshit. Right. You think two steps ahead when you make a decision to do something, especially online tweeting or Facebooking or whatever. You need to think, if I do this, what could happen and play out the different things? Well, if I tweet this, you know, if I tweet this about Joe Bennett and never working with him again, you could go, okay, one branch <clears throat> is nothing happens. One branch is it gets picked up by the comic book news sites and becomes a big deal. And another branch is it gets picked up by comic book news sites, becomes a big deal. And he could possibly lose his livelihood for Marvel because of it. Because let's be real. I don't think DC's picking him up after this. I don't know. It would be really cool if they did. DC, if you're listening, good artist. He's ready for you. Yeah. So anyhow, we want to weigh in on it. Uh, that's our opinion. Uh, and uh, take it for what you will. Hyper Kaiju, thank you before you left. There's the link for First Man 2 Learning Curve. Please back it now. Um, I will uh, share the screen one more time with you guys before we leave. And on our next show, we did get caught up on Marvel What If. Well, it's not our next show. Our next show. Oh, yeah. Next next Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday, we'll talk about the latest two episodes of Marvel What If. Uh, not next Wednesday's episode because we will not, I will not at least have been able to watch it by then, but we'll talk about the Dr. Strange episode. We'll talk about the zombie episode. And then on uh Monday, special guest Rob Snyder joins the show and you're like, Rob, who Rob Snyder, my co-creator, co-writer of first man, first man, uh, learning curve will be joining the show, uh, next week. And uh, next Monday to talk first man and talk his career. Rob is a cartoonist. He's an editorial cartoonist. He's done political cartoons. So we could actually get his opinion on this. And he's also done some comic strips. So we're going to be joined on Monday with Rob Snyder. So please tune in for that on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. And, uh, you know, until next time, I think we'll leave you guys with, uh, with this little ditty. Bye, everybody. Bye.